All right, everybody. Good Sunday afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It's the first Sunday, Wiz. Uh, no football since Labor Day. It's kind of hard to believe. Uh, the season moved very quickly. Some great games in the playoffs. Uh, last week's games, uh, you know, we're going to talk about them in a, a little bit as well. But yeah, it is really strange to see no football today. I don't include the flag football Pro Bowl in that, Wiz. <laughs> I hear you on that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a long time of Sundays uh, without um, there being football. I mean, it's a, it's incredible uh, that we're already up to the Super Bowl. The season flies by so fast once you start getting into the season. It's just amazing uh, how quickly it moves. Uh, and, um, and, and the season, uh, one, one game left to be played. Yeah, hard to believe, and uh, it will be the defending champions back in the game again for the AFC, uh, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs, and they'll be taking on San Francisco. Uh, the 49ers is a repeat of the Super Bowl in 2020. Uniforms are going to look the same as they did then. Uh, San Francisco is going to be in white. The Chiefs are going to be in red. Um, so, yeah, very excited for the game, Wiz. Uh, the bookmakers, they came out early with this one, a two-and-a-half-point uh, favorite for, for the San Francisco 49ers. It went down to one. It's currently sitting at two. Uh, the over-under is 47 and a half. You and I will talk a little bit more in detail uh, next week when we when we do our full wager and uh, prognostications on uh, prop bets as well. Um, I think one thing that's interesting was I did read where the larger percentage of bets were leaning on the Chiefs, but the money, more money was being bet on the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, this game, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's not, the line's really not going to get away from you no matter what you like or who you like in this game. Um, I just can't see either team be more than one and a half or two point favorite. And I think, um, you know, as it winds down, that's when you'll see uh, some big wages placed. I mean, people shop around. They have three, four, or five different sports books that they look at, and uh, they're just trying to get some kind of edge um, where, wherever they can get it. I think. Yeah, and look, the storylines for this game, right? With Brock Purdy, um, Mister Irrelevant. Here he is starting in the Super Bowl. We've seen some stories this week where Jed York. Uh, made some comments that Kingsbury came up to him, you know, during right after the draft, and felt that that at the end of the day, that Purdy, even though they invested so much in bringing Trey Lance to San Francisco, he could potentially be the best quarterback on this roster. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer here either, and this is Purdy's team. And you know, he won that game last week, really with his legs against the Lions. We'll talk a little bit about that game in a second. Uh, and obviously, Patrick Mahomes trying to really solidify this as kind of a dynasty was because if they win this one, I mean, first off, they're in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. Chance to win their third. Um, it's just a pretty remarkable start to the to the young career of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, and I think, while it's not the most talented team offensively, and I think most people would agree with that, the job that he's done um, you would never associate game manager with Patrick Mahomes, but in some some of these games, he's had to be that way. Like when his, some of his pass catchers are not making plays, he's uses legs to extend plays. 
Um, he's used his legs to run for first downs. Um, and he, this may be maybe not statistically his greatest year, but from a standpoint of what he's done um, with his surrounding cast, it may very well be his uh, best year as a quarterback. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think this team has uh, been more dependent on their defense this year, a defense that's not relinquished uh, more than 27 points in any game. We know Steve Spagnuolo is quite uh, experienced as well. He's the only coordinator to win Super Bowls with two different teams. He did that with the Giants, and he's done that with the Chiefs as well. So, yeah, so looking forward to the game. Uh, you know, just looking back at, at last week's games on Sunday, Wiz, I'll, I'll tackle the AFC game first, which, you know, again, the Chiefs were playing, you know, for the third time. Um, I think a lot of people, including myself, felt that the Ravens, and yourself as well, thought that the Ravens, you know, this was going to be the year they kind of took that step up. It did not happen. Very odd play calling. Uh, they ran the ball so little in this game with their running backs. They, tr- you know, I don't know. They almost panicked after they got down very quickly. They got out of rhythm, uh, and the Chiefs never scored a point in the second half. But at the end of the day, you know, dumb plays. Uh, obviously, Zay Flowers with the taunting penalty. And we know a good defensive play was made on that play when he was lunging for the end zone, um, and obviously not the best effort at all. Uh, for Lamar Jackson, and I know we, we talked a little bit during the week, but uh, you know, you felt this is a player that that really has not taken that next step up. Yeah, I mean, going into the playoffs, talked about like how much pressure there really was on Lamar Jackson, and when I watch Lamar Jackson say, I, you know, I think he's a good he's a good NFL quarterback, and I think he's a a great fantasy quarterback, but I just don't think he's evolved and taken his next step. I just see a lot of the same plays from him where um, his accuracy is off. He doesn't give his receivers a chance to make plays. He doesn't give his receivers a chance to draw um, pass interference calls. They're either overthrown, out of bounds, and uh, he's just making the same throws um, that he did, you know, a few years ago. So... Uh, I just not not him taking that next step. And I just think when you see some guys and you watch, let's say, Jordan Love, and you just can watch Jordan Love in the second half and you could just go, wow. I mean, that is some step forward he has taken, whether it's been watching Aaron Rodgers or sitting and learning, but he really has taken a giant step. And I just haven't seen in years – that step that Lamar Jackson, a new offensive coordinator, the best surrounding cast he's ever had. But I watched the throws, and they're the same throws he made a few years ago where those deep sideline passes, he does not give his receivers any chance to catch the ball. They're either overthrown badly, out of bounds, and um, it's just the same stuff. Like When you watch that game, you could just turn on highlights from a few years ago and you'd see him make the exact same throws. So... That's an issue as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, big big disappointment. And, and and look, the Ravens are going to have to make some adjustments. Looks like Patrick Queen is going to look at free agency. Mike McDonald obviously just got hired by by Seattle. Um, and yeah, this team's going to be thinking about a lot. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, the Chiefs are defending champions. They sh- they showed that they played a terrific football game. And uh, I just didn't understand the play calling was very odd. They they it seemed to be a little bit of a panic on on the on the part of the Ravens. It was a it was a disappointing effort. 
um, despite the fact that they had a really good season. And, you know, on the flip side, that, that NFC game, uh, once again, was where I feel the San Francisco 40s, Niners weren't necessarily the best team in the field this Sunday, but they found a way to win this football game with a tremendous second half after getting their heads pounded in the first half. Um, I think the concerning thing for me going into this current um, game on, on, on the following Sunday in the Super Bowl is the fact that the San Francisco 49ers defense has shown you it has lots of holes in it. Uh, two, te- two teams in a row, the Packers and the Lions, were able to run up and down against this team. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that kind of shakes out. Um, I think the biggest storyline, I think, coming out of the game, Wiz, is is – the decision making on the on behalf of the Lions and my view on it uh, is the fact that they wouldn't have gotten here if Dan Campbell wasn't this way during the season during during the entire season because he was very consistent in that way. Um, I think I would have kicked that first field goal in the second half to make a twenty seven ten in a three score game. I don't have a big problem because remember he did kick a short field goal uh, early in the game um, and took took the points there. Uh, I have a little bit less of a problem with everything else happened. The only other major uh, quibble that I have is, is the fact that they ran that ball in that third day, down play and lost a lot of time. And at the end of the day, you know they 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 could not they could not get it done to finish out, and it's going to be a very painful offseason for the Lions, who played a terrific football game, had an unbelievable season. I think so many people were behind them. But, uh, yeah, frustrating to watch, and I'm sure as a Detroit Lion fan, which which I think, you know, th- this this has been kind of a story told all year long. Uh, it was a tough one to see uh, for them to lose, but that's not to take anything away from what the San Francisco 49ers did in the second half. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Uh, You know, know, we live in such a a result-orientated world that, you know, it just, what's the end result? Is it a touchdown? Is it incomplete? Is it a rushing touchdown? Does he get stopped? Should they have gone for a field goal? All that stuff, he's he's done it his way in the regular season. He was going to continue doing that. The only one that I had the issue was I think the field goal before halftime to go up three scores is definitely the right score, right the right call. And then when they were down by three, he had a choice to either attempt a long field goal to tie it up. It would have been like a 47, 48-yard or a goal for it. And the way the, the Lions defense was exhausted. So going for a tie on a long field goal wasn't going to cut it. San Francisco was going to move the ball up and down the field and – just to to have a game-winning field goal, they would have done that. So I understand trying to go for it and try and get a four-point lead in the game. Uh, maybe, you know, the rush to Montgomery on third down, you know, cost them a timeout and essentially the game if they didn't recover the onside kick. And then maybe the middle one where you went for it and didn't kick a field goal, I could see that one instead of going up three scores again. But, you know, at the end of the day, he he's going he's gonna to run his offense like that. And when he converted, he's a genius. And when he doesn't convert, he gets second-guessed. Second guess. But, uh, look, they're bringing the gang back next year. Ben yeah. Johnson, whether um, he didn't want a head coaching job or the good ones ran out on him, he's coming back about a sense coordinator next year. Tell everyone back. Another draft coming up where they've done well with their picks. So they'll certainly be one of the favorites in the NFC next year. Yeah, young talent, right, Was they have, they have the benefit of young talent. Uh, it looks like Jared Goff's going to be around to play quarterback for an, a few more years here in Detroit. And I think, uh, as you said, they've done tr- tremendously well in the draft. 
Gibbs has been terrific. Uh, Laporta has been outstanding. Obviously, that offensive line has really solidified itself as one of the top five in the league. So, yeah, a lot, lot of promise there, a lot of promise in that entire division. So look forward to more, but they'll have a lot to think about in this offseason. And speaking of the offseason, Wiz, uh, you know, I guess we're going to start, uh, obviously, first got to get through the Super Bowl, but, you know, an eye on the NFL draft and free agency, a lot of different moving parts. The coaching carousel has been filled with Dan, Dan, uh, Dan Quinn taking the – Washington job and McDonald taking the Seattle job. We just had the Senior Bowl and the East West Shrine Bowl this weekend. So yeah, there's. So let's let's look at the coaches first. Was obviously Bill Belichick's not going to be coaching this year in the NFL, but this migration still to kind of these young players. In addition to this, it's been an amazing. I cannot believe the carousel and the moving parts from coordinators just flip flopping roles. It's. Uh, it's quite interesting. We just saw that happen with Kingsbury not taking the Raider job. It looks like he's leaning towards the Washington job. Uh, Luke Getze, uh, who was in Chicago last year, he's going to be the Raiders offensive coordinator. So, yeah, musical chairs in the coaching world, was. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of shocked Mike Vrabel wasn't hired anywhere. Um, I just think his teams played hard. They never gave up. He was shorthanded on talent a lot. I think a lot of his teams overachieved. He still had terrific success. I'm kind of surprised there was no landing spot for him. Can I ask the you a question? On, can I ask you a yeah. question on Vrabel while you're there on Vrabel? So I did read where, if I'm not mistaken, he interviewed for defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Um, the Cowboys situation is, I think, for the two names that we're talking about, Vrabel and Belichick, uh, with Mike McCarthy not getting extended and essentially a prove-it year for him. Um, you know, how, how do you, do you, I mean, at this point in time, if, Mike Vrabel, if McCarthy is not successful, would you say it's odds on that one of those two guys would be coaching in Dallas next year? Yeah, I, I would think so. But, um, you know, listen, He's been, if he, whatever you want to say about Jerry Jones, he has shown a lot of loyalty to his coaches and coaching staff and let them finish out their contracts and maybe stayed and showed more patience than a lot of people would. But if they don't get to the Super Bowl, uh, at least um, I'd be surprised if one of those two names um would not be the head coach of the of the Cowboys next year. And uh, look, I, I don't know how it went with some of these interviews. Um, it's tough, right? Because you take in a guy like Belichick, you know he's going to want to bring his guys in there, and you know he's going to run it a certain way. So, kind of the general manager kind of feels maybe his power is a little bit diminished. So, I'm not sure if that played into a part of it. Um, so we'll see how it, how it plays out. But uh, like I said, I'm I'm kind of surprised Rabel, uh, who I just think is a terrific coach and he's a young guy, uh, was not given a shot. But that won't last long. He'll he'll be on the sideline somewhere soon. Oh yeah, no no doubt about it. Um, the the other one intriguing. Uh, we know Harbaugh got hired in, for the Chargers, um, but they signed Greg Roman to be their offensive coordinator. So I, 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 that's definitely a situation to watch in the off season in terms of the direction that the Chargers go in terms of running back and stylistically what this team does. Uh, I've, I've read this week that Keenan Allen is most likely going to find a way to, to continue on in, in um, for the Chargers. Uh, 
Harbaugh, we talked about it. You know, he's he's won in the NFL. He just won in college, and uh, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. But uh, yeah, I, I was kind of intrigued by that, that that hiring and what that potentially could mean for the Chargers, either in free agency uh, or, or in the draft this year. Was yeah, look, there's a lot to like in that Charger job for Jim for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he has a good, talented roster. He has a, a young quarterback who is entering his prime, uh, barely entering his prime. And they have the fifth pick in the draft. And uh, there's a lot of things to like about that job. And the only thing that, you know, it could be better is it could be an easier division, but you can't choose who's in your division. Um, but there's a lot of things to like, and there's a lot of reason to be optimistic uh, in terms of the Chargers' future, I think. Yeah, and I think that division will be um, very competitive again. Uh, Antonio Pierce did a good job getting this team turned around. Uh, they won 5-4 and four when he was in the interim status, and um, he's brought some senior guys around them. I know he's been leaning on Tom Coughlin. He's hired, hired Marvin, uh, Marvin Lewis. So, yeah, a lot, lot to watch in this division. And you, you mentioned the offseason and the draft. Um, you know who gets picked first? How many offensive guys go in the first go in the first round? How many offensive linemen go in the first ten picks? How many quarterbacks taken taken in the first round? This seems to be a deep draft when it comes to receivers. So we'll be looking at a lot of that stuff in detail. I guess we got a little bit of a glimpse of what transpired with the like I said the uh, the the end of the season All Star games. A number of guys just trying to improve their draft stock, but not even playing in the game. You know, Mike Penix is one of those guys who who may have worked his way into the back end of the first round. Um, you know, a number of guys also trying to do that down in Mobile. At the end of the day, 30 guys backed away and didn't play in this football game. Uh, but some of them made their mark in the workouts um, that they were going through with their teams was. Yeah, I mean, I like Penix. I just don't think he's a first round quarterback. There are just so many injuries. And that game film against Michigan is really going to be... Um, Difficult to look at, I think, when when evaluating him. Uh, but he he can. There's no reason that he couldn't be an excellent backup NFL quarterback, as a spot starter, um, and have a good career in the NFL. I just wouldn't take a first round pick on him. I wouldn't take a first round pick on Bonix either, and some of these other quarterbacks as well. So, to me, when I look at the draft, um, I think I have it. You know, just analyzing it, I have nine players that I feel. There's a, there are levels to this, right? And I just think there are nine players that are a level above the other players. And I think Jim Harbaugh is going to be staring at Brock Bowers with that number five pick, and that's just a perfect match, perfect system. And um, Greg, Norman, Greg Romans knows what to do with having an elite tight end. He showed that with Mark Andrews and uh I think that's going to be a perfect spot for him, and um, I think that's uh, you know one of the many reasons why Harbaugh took that job. He knows what Brock Bowers can do firsthand. Um, so I think you know I look at it. I have those three quarterbacks, three receivers, Brock Bowers, and two elite offensive tackles as the first nine picks, uh, and then there's a little bit of a gap in my opinion. And what makes it interesting is. The Jets have picked number 10. So the key to this draft, I think, is what's going to happen with the Atlanta Falcons and Chicago Bears. They're a perfect match for a trade. Um, we'll see what happens. But Atlanta picking at eight 
can really change the um, the landscape, if you will, of the of the first round. Yeah, and that remains to be seen which direction that they decide to go in Chicago, right? They they have the first and the ninth pick in this draft, and <laughs> I mean they they did uh, a wonderful job with that trade with Carolina last year. Uh, they obviously saw, signed Sweat in, in uh, during the se- uh, sorry during the season to after the trade. So you know this is a team definitely moving in the right direction. They were much more competitive and and dangerous towards the end of the season, particularly particularly the defense. So so we'll see what happens there. I'm kind of curious what the Giants end up doing. You know, for me, I'm going to always have preference to build up an offensive line, uh, especially in a draft where I think wide receiver could be a little bit deeper and they can get some talent in that second round. But you know, some people have the the Giants looking at a receiver with that first pick at, at number six was. Yeah, I mean, the Giants need a game-breaker wide receiver, and they need an elite offensive tackle. And that's going to be their choice because um, at number six, the way I figure it, there'll be three quarterbacks taken, there'll be probably Marvin Harrison Jr. taken, and then there'll be Brock Bowers taken. And that leaves them at number six with a real, real uh, tough decision, in my opinion, between a player like Joe Walt who is just a monster tackle from Notre Dame and like a receiver like Malik Neighbors, who is a game-breaking stud, uh, which the Giants desperately need. So I think that'll be what the Giants will be looking at and uh, what a difficult decision that'll be. But I think it'll be one of those two players. And was this is not really looked at as a deep running back draft, but a few guys are definitely getting talked about. Unfortunately, one of them got hurt during the Senior Bowl, and that was... Um, uh, the kid Allen, right? Um, Rasheen Ali, excuse me. He, he was injured. But you know, people were talking about Marshawn Lloyd down, down and, Isaiah, and Isaiah Thomas down in Mobile in terms of guys that were you know, maybe showing some stuff. Obviously, the kid from Michigan is going to be coming out, and um, we'll see where he goes in the draft. Did you find it strange that guys like Roman Wilson didn't play in that game, Malachi Corley, you know, players that have certainly been catching the eyes of – of coaches and, and kind of prognosticators and forecasters in terms of drafts. Were you surprised that they didn't play, or you think it's just kind of one of those things where they just want to protect themselves from injury? That's eh, a different world of, of what, you know, years ago these players would have been there, but, like, uh, you know, there's, there's just so much involved now, money, NIL, um it just you know, I, I'm not to answer your question. I'm not surprised, um, and we'll see how it plays out in terms of the stock, how it how it rises for some of them and falls for others. Uh, but uh, you know, I think running backs. I do not see a running back that should be taken in the first round. I think there are some decent running backs, but like I'm not I'm not taking a running back with the, the, the running back has got to be a special, special player uh, that really could change a franchise, uh, the direction of a franchise. And I just don't see that with any of the uh, running backs coming out. So I have zero running backs going in the first round, in my opinion. Yeah, and the game has shifted, right? We've talked about this extensively on this podcast. The game has shifted, and we see continuance of, of running backs taken late in the draft. We have a perfect example of that in the Super Bowl with a guy like Pacheco. Uh, you know, this has been an ongoing story um, where guys have been able to be productive as running backs in the NFL but not needed to be taken early. Look at Kyron Williams, what he's done with the Rams as well. So, yeah, we'll see how teams tackle this. But, you know, I, I, I you know the way I look at this, with 
coaches this year, you know, with these teams with deficiencies and offensive linemen, I think I would be addressing those needs first in this particular draft. Like I said, a team like the Giants, I'm sure the Jets also are, are on that page where they can use some help to bolster up that front. But, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about. That's all coming up. But, uh, yeah, we're excited for football. and We'll get detailed about the Super Bowl um, next week in terms of uh, which way we're leaning and, and prop bets and all that sort of stuff. We've, we've started to decipher it. Um, I don't think we're going to reveal too much here. Uh, but we'll wait till next week and, and, and kind of solidify everything that we're looking to do uh, for the big game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you got to really take your time and look it over. And I think, once again, there are some weaknesses with these prop plays. And uh, I have a few that I feel extremely, extremely strong about. And uh, I'll uh, hope to keep, uh, keep it rolling with uh, with these prop bets uh, in the Super Bowl. Excellent. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely miss it in the offseason. But uh we got one more game to go, and then uh, and then lots to talk about because I think it would be it's going to be uh, quite a riveting off season. So, Wiz, nice job, good talking again, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Make sure you listen. We'll be back with a full Super Bowl podcast next weekend. Uh, otherwise, Wiz, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we will talk next week. You got it.